Hey, this is Brian, just popping in for a second. This is episode nine of the Podcast Editor's Mastermind. And I just wanted to let you know that we have a bonus uh, section. We had a question that we asked after we stopped recording, and you'll want to make sure that you listen all the way to the end because that's got some really good stuff in it. And also, Jennifer, if somebody wants to be a guest on the show, what do they need to do? Okay, well, if you would like to be a guest on the Podcast Editor Mastermind show, then go to podcasteditormastermind.com and click on Be a Guest. Uh, um, so, how much is that? All right. Well, welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Before we do that, we'll do some quick introductions. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. We'll start with Jennifer and go around and then I'll do Nikita. I'm Jennifer Longworth. You can find me at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com. And then joining us today, we have Nikita Burks-Hale. She's the CEO and the head creative at Journey Girl Magic Productions, which is a podcast production company that supports and empowers women of color as they bring their unique voices to the masses through podcasting. And she also hosts a couple of podcasts, the Journey Girl Magic Podcast, and also the Podcaster's Journey, which is, as I understand it, launching August 2020. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Before we get into the conversation, I did want to kind of just frame this up because we, we talked about this on the last episode that we did want to speak to some of the, the current events that were going on. Uh, in particular, at the time, there was we were coming on the end of some riots. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened that's driven racial tension, and we want to have a, a meaningful conversation. But we thought that having four white people sit up in here and tell you our thoughts probably wasn't <laughs> worthwhile. So we wanted to reach out and get a real conversation because we've got real questions, and we just wanted to reach out and do that. So Nikita was kind enough to join us, and we're really happy to have you here. And we're going to talk about diversity. So we just wanted to kind of frame this up because pursuing diversity is actually a benefit in our opinion. So mm -hmm. can you maybe share with us some of the ways that pursuing diversity can actually benefit our clients and our businesses? Right. And I think you can start one of two ways. You can start inward, meaning that you have to pursue it for yourself first. And if it's something that you are living and doing every day, it's a lot easier to implement it into your business, into talking with your clients, into your own brand. Or you can go the opposite way, where if you're learning this and you're kind of drinking the water and getting a sense of what's going on in the world, then you're able to then get more clients because you know what's going on. You're able to speak to at least the current issues and knowing that there's an issue and you wanting to do something about it. So two ways to think about it. You can go in and out, meaning start with yourself, or you can go outward knowing that there is an issue and a pain and a problem needs to be solved and bring it back in. Okay. Yeah. And so let, let's maybe start with that outward to end. I'm just going to be transparent here. I grew up in North Dakota where at the time I grew up, essentially we made fun of like our ethnic jokes were other white people from a different country. Right. So there was no real sense of this. And so I've been in the ten I've been in Tennessee for like 20 years, but I'm still playing catch up. So can you maybe share how it can benefit me as a business owner to really pursue this and, and actually mean it? So the actual mean it with the two at the very at the end of what I'm going to say, yeah. but as a business owner, this is a whole untapped community. And so I'll talk more about it later on, but this idea of folks who are starting podcasts, uh, African-American and people of color are the second most 
fastest growing podcasters in the world today. And so they need editing help. They need launch help. They need marketing help. They need all of this assistance and guidance and folks aren't just taking the time to see them. And what they need is that guidance. And so this is, like I said, a whole untapped market of potential clients, potential partnerships, potential collaborations that just aren't being seen or accommodated. And so from a business standpoint, that's money off of the table. Um, And I I feel like I can say that as a person of color, that this is just, and it's not all about the money. And also money is what gives us power to do more good. It's something Mm -hmm. what I've really learned in the past year. Um, And so from that standpoint, really knowing that if you are ignoring a whole population of people, then you can only grow so far. You can only get so much money. You can only grow so much as a podcaster, as a producer, as an editor, as a person. Yeah. So one thing I have to ask, we live in an age, I think, where everybody's in their own bubble, right? Right. And if your algorithm is not like tapped into anything to do outside of your race, like any Mm -hmm. people, any creators outside of your race, how do you then bring them into your bubble so that you can start to learn and engage with them? I think it's first realizing that they're not in your algorithm. And so then it becomes, who do I follow? Who do I switch up? Who can, who are the top African-American or people of color who are podcasters right now? When in some of the Facebook groups, who are the folks who are new, who may be people of color that I make it a habit, which I do specifically each week, to go through and respond to their comments so that you can mix up those algorithms. So it's not something that's automatically going to pop up on your feed. Those lovely algorithms that we deal with do like to mix things up, but not to that extent. So quite honestly, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to, maybe even if you put in a search engine, top podcasts from people of color and those top 10 go for it. Or if you have friends who are people of color, ask who they're listening to. And so that is a way that you can consciously dial in and begin to see and open your eyes more of like what else is around, what else is out there. Yeah. I noticed, I noticed that. So this is really interesting because I'm on TikTok for mostly for fun, Mm -hmm. but I tapped into, I guess at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, I tapped into a bunch of amazing like creators of color and LGBTQ plus creators. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so now my feed is like mostly people of color. However, I hadn't been on in a couple of days. And then I noticed like my for you page, if that's where mm-hmm. TikTok shows you discoverable content, I noticed that it was a little bit more white than usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I started huh. actively seeking out the people that I followed already, the, the creators of color. And then I noticed that the algorithm started to switch. So it can be sneaky like that. And I'm not sure why that is. I think that's like maybe a programmed bias in the algorithm, but that's just one example of of really just how consistent you have to be. And that's how the human mind works, right? We do something. It's almost like you're cleaning a room where you've got this new habit going to the gym and you do it for two or three days and you're like, I'm good. And then one little thing and it just goes back to normal. And it's a conscious effort. And that is just shows a bigger idea for life that this is these, this idea of diversity, this idea of really having these tough conversations is not a one and done. It's not a, I'm going to like a couple of people and now I'm, they're automatically going to show up in my feed. It's going to take constant nurturing, constant commitment because it needs to be authentic and authenticity takes work. You keyed in on one of the things that has always transparently kind of concerned me because Anytime I start something new, it tends to feel 
fake or forced. So for example, right now for me to get on the elliptical one day in a row is a win, right? So, <laughs> but, but I understand in some areas of my life that doing that yields the result. But especially when we start talking about relationships with people, it can really start to feel contrived and I don't want it to be that way. So what's a better way to think about that? And I would say what I love to do is to start with your why. So why are you doing this in the first place? Hmm. Figuring that out will illuminate a lot of stuff for you. And it doesn't have to be this big, grandiose gesture. And so it could be you with yourself saying, you know, I want to really broaden my circle. And so I want to commit to finding one editor of color that I would like to connect with and see where that leads. And so you're not trying to find 50 people to keep up with, to tap into, to make calls with. You focusing on one person, and then that one person can lead to a bigger circle or more realizations and more connections. So start small, because if you start big, it's going to become overwhelming. It's going to become a lot. If you're going to try to do 55 minutes on the elliptical, it's probably not going to turn out good. Or if you make it through, (laughs) then are you going to really do it again? Oh, man. Yeah. I guess then sort of to that same vein, right? One of the things that I've kind of wondered about is as editors, a lot of us, unless we have a show of our own, we really don't have a public voice. So what does supporting people of color and supporting diversity look like for an editor? Like, or what could it look like? I love this question. (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) You have even more power as editors because it is for business, but it's not like you're trying to boost your podcast. And so I think editors have this unique opportunity to really think about what you are listening to and how can you broaden that. And then it can be a simple ask of maybe you introducing two new podcasts by people of color. I originally was talking to someone about true crime and how they love true crime. And I said, well, do you know any podcasts by about true crime by people of color? And they were floored of like, no. And so I challenged them to look up podcasts, true crime ones of people of color. Cause as we know, one of the top genres of podcasting are true crime. And right. so being able to do that extra work and focus on one or two podcasts and then reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I've listened to your podcast. I want to know who's editing. This is what I usually do. So I've listened to your podcast. I really love your content. Are you doing your editing yourself? Taking it back to the old days. Mm. <laughs> and if they're like, no, or yes, then offering like, would I would love to connect and maybe edit a couple of episodes. Or there are a lot of Facebook groups out there with new podcasters are launching every single day. And so offering your services, one thing that I think is important to remember, and it's not necessarily charity, but there are a lot of podcasters of color who just aren't in that mindset of, okay, I'm paying an editor to do my podcast, this whole new idea. When I first started editing and when I first started a production company, just the conversations of, wait, I can pay for somebody for that? Well, how much is that? And just that back and forth dialogue. So there were a couple where I did this for free, or I did a couple episodes for free. And that's just to show them, um, which is my motto, my role and roles of editors is often to remove the noise so that their voice can truly be heard, removing those distractors and showing that that is a possibility then allows you to have them bring their voices to a larger audience and sound clearer and no echoes and no background noise. And so that more people are listening, because what I found is that a lot of podcasts of color, sometimes the audio quality can be an issue. And so if you hear that, 
offer your services complimentary for a couple episodes. Teach them about this editing. So as editors, we also have this mentorship. And I would have loved when I first started to have someone pull me under their wing. I have a couple people now, which is kind of how I got on this show. But in the beginning, it was tough. It was me watching YouTube videos, me experimenting, me just butchering my poor podcast in the beginning, but learning as I go along. And so offering that mentorship in addition can go a long way because then you're training the next podcaster. I don't know if I can name 20 podcaster or editors of color right now. And that's just because I don't see them. And how awesome could it be if we just had all this mentorship, which is something that I want to get into. And so as editors, those are the two ways. One, Offer your services to other podcasts or two, look at editors, look at people who are just saying maybe in those groups, I just started. Does anybody have any tips and take them aside, send them a message. Yes, it takes more work, but you're not you're improving and you're becoming a better human because at the end of the day, the point of diversity is about becoming a better human, not Amen. To, not to increase our revenue, but to just be better humans. Yeah. And that is small, simple gestures. And That's I think good. that ultimately has the the impact on your revenue, exactly. right? Because exactly. you then you get a broader perspective, you get more understanding of the world around you, mm-hmm. and you can help more people. And a longer lasting impact because it's not yeah. like one and done, here we go. This is just something you're well-versed in and you do on a normal basis so it's easy to keep doing. Yeah, exactly. Now, my question is, what can we do then as editors kind of with the platform Mm -hmm. to help editors that aren't white to Mm -hmm. come and share, share their voices with us, Mm -hmm. I guess. Cause I get have a hard time getting a lot of editors to speak up Mm. or to like really be an active part of the community because I think in a lot of ways, they're just more comfortable just Mm -hmm. kind of listening. Mm -hmm. So how do we encourage and reach out to editors of color to get them more engaged? So it's going to take time, more time than you would think because people of color as a whole, just being real, have been screwed over a lot in life. And so we are very cautious about who we let our guard down to, who we accept interviews from, just because we need to make sure that the motives are authentic. Um, So in that case, I would say definitely just make sure you keep trying, keep nurturing, because it's not going to be that one email or, hey, this is who I am. I would love to chat. And they may not respond. And so keep at it. Show them that you mean it. Show them that you are being authentic. Show them that you actually want to have a relationship and not just a one-time conversation. I would also say, switch it around. So think about when you were first getting into the, the editing industry, which is predominantly white male. Did you just jump in or like, what was it like for you? So take it back to that mindset. And what did you need? What did you wish you had? And approach it from that. Because there are many forms of just, I don't want to say oppression, but there's just many layers. And so for me personally, just being transparent as a person of color who is also gay and married to a woman and If I'm the South, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so I have to do more work, but I also have to be very aware, like, where am I at? How am I showing up? And if others are struggling, putting myself in their shoes or an experience that is similar to theirs, creating that mindset of saying, okay, I remember what it felt like. I remember what I needed. Let me try it from this angle. Let me have this real conversation with them and see where that takes us. 
That's really good. And that speaks to, I mean, just for, for me, sometimes it's uncomfortable to reach out to, to ladies because I see that there's a, a deficit, right? Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned that, but mm-hmm. if I'm being intentional, I can all, and also honest with myself, I can say, well, I'm not sure how they're going to perceive it. Right. And so mm-hmm. it can be uncomfortable to step out and there can be a place of fear because I might, <laughs> frankly, I might just say the wrong thing. Like you things, might be mansplaining and we I'm, won't I'm right. it. I mean, I, I try really hard not to, but Apparently it's a thing, right? So do you have any tips for us to not mansplain our way through life? I would say be open to being called out for mansplaining. That's the first step because it may happen. I would say any type of conversation is better than no type of conversation Mm. for the most part, for the most part. And so be open to that, be open to being wrong. If like editors often sometimes, a lot of times do blogs and things. So write about the struggle, talk about the struggle. And be be real, because whether you're a podcaster, editor, often people want to see the person behind the editing and behind the podcast. And so talk about the struggles of I'm a dude trying to get more female identified people in this space. And I struggle because I don't want to mess up. And also, I just don't know how I would love tips. I'm trying and I'm going to keep trying. Just saying that automatically is like, okay, this person's making an effort. Let me look to see if they continue that effort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it speaks exactly to the thing that you were talking about first, wanting to be a better human and not Mm -hmm. actually wanting to be the opposite of that in trying to be exactly that. Right. Carrie, I think you had added some questions to our list. Was there anything that was kind of standing out to you? So Nikita, how can we, what things should we be discussing with our clients in terms of diversity? Let's start there. So, so how, what things and how should we broach that conversation with them? So from there's editors and then there's producers. Is there a preference? Top editor. Yeah. Yeah. Editor. We like editors better. Perfect. So (laughs) editors, it really is what I like to do is in my conversations talking about along with the ums and stop breathing and stop hitting the mic and all that good stuff that we get out of the way every conversation, but really asking depending on your relationship, like I'm hearing some of the same things. I wonder if your audience is wanting something more, something deeper. And if you have that relationship with your client saying, here's some ideas, like with a couple of my editing clients, I've given them ideas such as why not listen to this particular podcast to get a sense. They're very similar to yours about how they do their interviews, how they structure it, how they handle some of the editing issues or the, the issues that you've been having. So listen to this podcast and what that does is subconsciously turns them on to more diversity. And then what I found is also then you begin to see other folks on their podcast. So that's one way that first comes to mind of how as editors, just giving suggestions because I find my clients are always asking, well, I struggle with this. What do you think I should do? Or my sound, how is this done? And giving them other podcasts to listen to, or if you know other editors of color, suggesting, oh, well, this person has like a free workshop, but this is a YouTube video I found from this person. Listen to this. And that way they're just exposed to other people. Have you ever had any like pushback from clients when it came to diversity? Because you know how podcasters are very sensitive about their work sometimes, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's their baby. (laughs) So I tried to be cognizant with my own show about diversity. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me because, you know, you get that you don't want to engage in tokenism at all. But 
after, you know, I thought I had done well, but then Mm -hmm. I took a look back at it and I was like, oh, I didn't do as well as I thought I did. (laughs) So if you ask a client to reflect on diversity or you see that they don't have any diversity and if you bring it up and they push back a little bit, Mm -hmm. how do you respond to that? And again, it depends on the relationship with the client. And so if it's somebody you've only had for a couple of weeks or a few months, then you may choose to come at it from another time. Again, remembering this is for the long haul. So if this conversation doesn't happen right now, continue just talking maybe around it or just saying the same thing. Like I'm hearing the same things. I really recommend this. A lot of my editing also includes some coaching. And so what I've challenge some of my editing clients is you say you want more. You say you're in this rut because we always get that conversation of, I feel like I'm talking about the same stuff or I want to do something different. And I just straight up say, well, how about for this next season, every fourth guest is a person of color. I recently did that. And they were like, wait, what? How am I supposed to do that? And it was just all of this conversation of figure it out and let's see, like I'm willing to help because I have connections But then also you mentioned like you don't want it to be tokenism. If you do it often enough, it isn't. And so, like I said, I have one client who that challenge is for this entire season. Every fourth guest has to be a person of color, quote unquote, has to be. Now, if they don't do it, I'm not going to cut them off of clients. But what it did, it just completely switched their mindset, their perspective, and they're having to do a lot more work. But they're also enjoying this challenge because a lot of the reason we got into podcasting or editing is for this new thing, this new challenge this new idea of, I want to accomplish something different, something new and finding little ways to do that. Because again, this is about going back to just humans. How can we motivate humans? How do you motivate yourself? How do you motivate your kids? What are some ways that you can get this done? That helps as well. Gary, you also had, I think, a question about pursuing a little bit of diversity in our teams. I I don't really have a team, but especially for editors that have small teams, is there a way to really kind of go there and, and do it in a, in a way that's meaningful? It can be, so editors always learning. So who are you getting your education from? Who are you offering education to? It can also be if you have a small staff. So a lot of editing may also include, and this gets more into bigger companies, but even if you have a small capacity or a small team, how can you still add to that team? Or if you are doing show notes, or if you are just strictly editing, like how can you still bring folks of color in? And it can be every once in a while you make a note to maybe do an intern for a short amount of time. And it may be a specific podcast that you talk with that podcaster about and say, hey, this is how I want, I'm devoted to diversity and I would like to try this. Are you open to it? And this would work a lot easier if this were your own podcast that you were also editing. But they're looking for an intern that could be a part of your team, even for a small bit of time where they're getting those skills. Again, going back to that mentorship. So it doesn't have to be you necessarily hiring a full staff of people of color. It also is, and we'll talk about it probably at the end, like I said, attending educational things. So webinars where you're just getting knowledge and staying up to date, where you're supporting people of color. So they may not be on your team every day, but in what ways can you continue supporting? We have a question from Facebook. What are your favorite podcasts from people of color and why? Thanks, Chris. Ooh, So I will do my top three right now. 
And I will talk about why. So that is a really good question, Chris. I would say right now, my number one is The Good Ancestor, um, that podcast. And it's because it really talks about in a way that everybody can get this, this entire idea of racism, anti-racism work from a very beginner's mindset. And so when you say racism, anti-racism, often it scares people away. But the way that they approach it is really simple. It talks about, I love the episode about white fragility, and it just, it's a wake-up call. And then it wants, it allows you to want to learn more. So that is one that's more educational. One that's kind of close, near, dear to my heart that just gets to the heart of the matter. It's called The Outspoken Girlfriend. And that podcast is by a woman of color. She just talks about life as it is from her standpoint. She is a feminist money coach. And so she talks about the idea of the patriarchy, debt shaming culture, and then from a lens of a person of color. So it talks about a lot of different layers, but in a way where she, I mean, in her intro, she's like, get a shot of whiskey and let's sit and talk. And so it's just a podcast that you can sit and listen to in your car while you're walking, exercising, or just on any day. So those are two. And then I would say my third one, because I've really been trying to broaden my horizons just because I'm a person of color doesn't mean I know it all and I have the automatic <laughs> I'm learning and growing as a whole as well. And so those are the first two that come to mind. So let's stick with those. Okay. Yeah. And we will have links for those in the episode notes. So if you're watching the replay, if you're watching live, or if you catch it at the end, you know, once it's available for download, just check out those episode notes because we do want that to be available. So you can check those out as, as well. So um, real quick, what were, what were the names of them again? The Good Ancestor. The Good and Ancestor. And the Outspoken Girlfriend. Outspoken Girlfriend. Great. One of the things that you had mentioned is trying to build some diversity in your client list, mm-hmm. which is which is great, right? But is there also a way then to approach marketing so that it communicates that you want to connect with a broad range of people without becoming something where you're trying to take advantage of current events and just trying to spin it mm. for your own benefit? Mm-hmm. And for all of these kind of questions, it, it goes back to really keeping it simple. And so looking at your marketing What type of pictures are you using? What color is the hand holding the microphone? Like making sure that there's just diversity in the pictures first off is the first thing that I look at first. Can I ask a quick question? Mm -hmm. Do you have recommendations of where to find stock photos that have diverse people? Oh, yes. (laughs) Because that is a problem. I I found like one. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of the pictures that I find, are we allowed to like talk about like actual Yes. And literally in my Canvas search, I say black person with a microphone and I get 20, 30 pictures. And there's also, and I have to look it up and what I will do is I'll make sure that I send it to you all. But there are a couple of, especially women of color who have stock photos specifically for people of color and they feature people of color. So I will, there are two specifically in mind and I don't want to get the names wrong. So I will look those up and send those to you all. Okay. Okay. Sorry, that's just the one because it's no, that's, that's you know, it's just like the black women sitting in a group or <laughs> or right. a black woman shaking a white white man's hand. Right. right. <laughs> yes, there are some stock photos and people dedicated to doing stock photos. Now make sure I share those links. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Good. Okay. We completely uh <laughs> <laughs> that, I completely that's sidetracked just... everything, but no. It's a good conversation, though, because that's one of the things that I was wondering about as well. So when I launched my course, 
a couple of weeks ago, I did a, an editing in Hindenburg course that I launched mm-hmm. and the cover photo for that ended up being a black guy doing a podcast recording that wasn't chosen because he was a yeah. black guy. It was chosen because it was the best stock photo that I could find, which yeah. was great. Right. I'm really glad to do that. But there's always that little bit of fear also that goes, okay, is somebody going to think that I'm trying to be disingenuous, right? especially people that don't know me. And again, if you do it enough, it's not going to come off that way. If it's during the month of February, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> but if, 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 That's if it fair. Becomes, <laughs> like a consistent, so not say constant, but consistent where you're, you're challenging yourself to look a little bit longer for these pictures. And then granted, we all have a lot of things to do, but just taking the extra step or when you have a chunk of time, saving a bunch of pictures. When it's consistent, then it's not going to seem out of place because they're constantly seeing it. So for the people, because I know a lot of people may not have been consistent now, but they want to start, but they don't feel like they can right now because of everything that's going on, because they don't want to seem like they're riding the bandwagon or getting on like some yeah ad of marketing where it's, oh, diversity, yay. Because we see, because quite frankly, we've all seen companies do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's unfortunate that, oh, yeah, they'll talk about inclusion and diversity when something, you know, when people are just won't not let them not talk about it. Right. But how do you what should we be doing like right now while it's there's so much rawness Mm -hmm. and you don't you haven't done it before, but you don't want to make it seem like it's disingenuous. Right. And I think you all are starting it right now by having me on. Like you knew there was a need. And so you reached out and you found somebody and this is one conversation. And so then it's, people are going to be looking to see, okay, so now what's next and thinking about, okay, now what else can I do? And the honest truth is people of color don't have all the answers. And also, again, it goes back to this human standpoint. And I know I keep driving that home, but it's almost like this light has to go on and and just has to click where as another human being, if you want to keep something going, how do you do that? And so it's going to take that figuring out. This isn't going to be where all of a sudden everything's going to fall into place and you're going to hire like a diversity inclusion consultant. And then you're going to have this set up for the next six months and everything's going to be all laid out. It's going to be trial and error but it has to be trial and error. I mean, you have to keep doing it. And so, yes, there are a lot of people jumping on a bandwagon right now, 100%. You have to start somewhere because if you wait and you wait and you wait, it's never going to happen. And so starting on that bandwagon, but then continue going in many different ways. In addition to having this conversation with me, then again, how can you find an editor to mentor? How can you attend some education classes or webinars about this type of thing? So you're learning. How can you challenge yourself to challenge one of your editors or one of your clients to think about diversity? These small things, they're uncomfortable, but again, it shows that you are trying and you are working towards it. It should be consistent. And I think it's probably going to be messy. Yes, very (laughs) much. That's okay. It's life is messy. Right. Everything about life is messy. And so we're not looking for perfect put together. You're like, this is how it is. Here you go. No, it's going to be messy, but it's that authenticity that we're looking for, that humanness that, oh, they're still trying. Because people are going to fall off in the next couple of months. 
And that reminds me of one of the things that's been incredibly true in my life, that it's almost always when I'm the most uncomfortable that I grow the most, right? When I intentionally put myself in that position to go, okay, this is somewhat public. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a commitment that I've made, and this will have very very obvious results if I fail, but that's, that's what we have to step into. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that's been true of your business as well. I mean, you grew a business, you had to step into something that was uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And stepping into it and knowing that I didn't have all the answers and that the people in the room with me may have thought I had all the answers because there's not many, like I said, I don't see a lot of editors of color either having their own companies or really rising to the top. And so when I walk into a room, people automatically assume, okay, you know, this, this, and this. And I, sometimes I don't. And so that, that journey of admitting that is uncomfortable and messy. And then there's this added thing of, do they think less of me? But at the end of the day, I have to say it. I have to be honest. I have to be transparent. And then we go from there. Yeah. You can always learn too. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. So I, I tell my kids, I get paid to say, I don't know a lot of things. (laughs) But I know how to look it up and I know how to learn it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's a skill we can bring to diversity and inclusion is say, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And sometimes I feel that like I totally don't know what to do. And all I can do is try to be a service in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and just keep true to my mission, essentially, which is helping people do podcasting, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's a lot like kids. 101% of parents don't know what the hell they're doing when they have kids. That's right. (laughs) And so it's like, I don't know. And I know it's not going to be perfect. And I know it's going to be messy, but I'm Mm. still going to do it and learn and grow. And it's going to be one of the best experiences of my life. Same thing. Yeah. So I have a, relatively diverse client base, I think. I mean, not huge, but I have some international folks. I have a woman of color. I have Asian American, you know, things like that. People like that, not things, sorry. (laughs) But I I don't like broadcasting. I was hearing you talk about pictures, so I don't even know if they have their faces on their cover art, but would you suggest displaying pictures of my clients or you know, or is that just no I mean, I, you know what you know what i'm trying to say without being show that you you yeah, are committed yeah. to diversity and you have a diverse clientele yeah so i would say no first off i don't think you need to post their pictures really look at client testimonials and if they're willing as a whole to have pictures with the client testimonials so that's one way that you can do it in a way that is not tokenism also people talk And so if I have a friend who's editing or who has an editor and I'm looking for that, I'm going to tell that person who to go to. So the more diverse your clientele can be, the more they're going to talk and the more you're going to get. And so don't just stop at that one or few, just keep being open to those or actively seeking again, reaching out to others is what I will continue to stress. Yeah, because I'm always afraid about the tokenism. Mm-hmm. And and I'm a, I'm afraid to say something or do something it, any of the even the suggestions you've mentioned because is it going to look like pandering even though I'm being genuine mm-hmm. what what's okay what's not okay it's tricky I mean but, for, right for and, me, and yeah. I feel like that the consistency makes sense because it may look like that at first 
But if you keep doing it, and I have run into situations where I've asked women of color to come in to speak to our just busters, right? Mm -hmm. And we started this back in March, so I've been piecemealing it. But now they're asking for like, are you, do you have representation like in Mm -hmm. your speakers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the truth was I wasn't sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do you, because I understand that question completely, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So how would you, I can imagine like a potential client or, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're coaching your podcasters on this and they're asking a person of color, they're doing the ask. And that person of color says, comes back with, well, do you consistently have people of color on your podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, at your event? So what is the response to that if it hasn't been great or you just started or, right. you know, where you can't necessarily say yes. And it's like more mm-hmm. like a yes, but because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get it. I know it looks bad. Got it. So I would say for the first part of the question, which was like, how do I without it being tokenism. And so I would say start with conversations. So those clients that you have of color, talk with them and saying, hey, do you know of any other podcaster friends who may need editing? I'm willing to offer you a discount for their information if they're willing to share if they become a client. Simple conversations with one-on-one people and not big marketing ideas. That makes sense. That conversation. And then now with the second part of if you're not diverse right now, all you can honestly say, and that gets back to that humanness, that transparency is, you know, I realize I haven't been. It feels real icky and and I know I need to do better. And that's what I'm trying to do. And then they have that option of saying, sorry, I'm not for it. And you have to accept that because you haven't been, it hasn't been as diverse or which I tend to do is, okay, I appreciate you being transparent and I can see that it's uncomfortable, which shows that there's growth. I will do it. And it's just about being real. I recognize that I haven't been as transparent. So I'm going to now. I'm making those steps and following through with those steps, not stopping after you just get them on the show or them as a client. Keep going. Again, it's Mm -hmm. about consistency. It's about working it and just continue going and going. But being transparent and saying, you know, it doesn't look like I have. I've been trying and I would love to continue this dialogue to figure out more and going from there. Yeah, cool. I like that. So Thank my you. problem is I get excited. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. And then and then maybe it doesn't, you know, it maybe it's not sensitive. It, um, right. So, yeah, I need to fix that. <laughs> and a theme I kind of hear is just the big question that you all are kind of not even struggling with, but keep going around and asking is how. And again, it goes back to that humanness of everybody is a human. Everybody is a person. Start with a conversation, a conversation with someone, you know, who's closest to you and maybe asking them, Hey, like I now know you all, I'm more than happy to be of service and speak in groups and whatever, because then I know it's twofold. It's, it's actually multifold of one, having these conversations is helping you all and hopefully bringing a little bit more comfort. Two, it's allowing my voice to be elevated and for other folks of color to say, hey, this is a safer space. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty okay here. Come join. Three, it's also allowing you to showcase that you are working towards diversity. And so everybody benefits. It's only tokenism if you plan on 
not if there's no benefit to the other person, if you just plan on screwing them over, then that's when tokenism comes into place. If you're doing it strictly for you and not considering mm. also how it can help them, because this is mutually beneficial right now. Me being on here, having this conversation, you're learning, I'm learning, I'm getting exposure and we're all having this much needed conversation to become better humans. So how is start with a conversation? It really is as simple as that. And I'm good at that. I can talk. She can talk. <laughs> Except for when I get too excited with strangers. <laughs> and then that works better in person than on the internet. Yeah. But, you know, it's very easy, but it's it's simple. And speaking about benefit, you you've actually got something coming up that you've put together to help benefit people that want to actually do this. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what you have coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah. So over this last month, I've been in all of the Facebook groups. I'm seeing all the questions of like, how do we get our podcasts more diverse? How do we get more clientele that are diverse? And so I'm seeing folks really authentically asking. And so I decided to create this webinar, which is called Pass the Mic, how to diversify your podcast, your brand and your life. And so it's for podcasters, editors, producers, anybody dealing in the podcasting media space. And we're going to have a good conversation about how to diversify it. And again, spoiler alert, a lot of it's talking about you first, starting with you. But it's going to be centered around six best practices for diversifying your podcast, your brand, and your life. And that's going to be on July 8th. And now you're teasing us. You're telling us there's six and you didn't even give this one. That's great. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> alert is that it has it starts with you as a person first. And like why? So if you're coming, and I hope all of you all come, start off to get a head start. Why? Why are you even interested in this? Why is this important to you? Why? And we do have a link in the chat, or we will have a link in the chat for those that are watching live. If you're <laughs> catching the the replay. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you'll want to check out the episode notes for that. Uh, Carrie, did you have anything else before we start drawing this to a close? I think, no, I think it all comes down to Will Wheaton's rule. Um, <laughs> Wheaton's rule. <laughs> I think you know that's the one is? we can't share on. Yeah, you, yeah we can't it's a share clean it, but show. everybody go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> okay. Well, one other question we like to ask, because it's so common in the podcast groups, how did you find your first client? Can you tell us that story? Oh, so besides myself, because I was always my most. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it was really listening to podcasts and trying to find some with really crappy audio. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And so then I would reach out to these. First, I, would, I wanted to listen to more podcasts as a whole. So that way I can know what I'm doing, hone my skills, began to listen for those ums, for the clicks and all of the things that we have to deal with with editors. And then from there, reaching out to those people and saying, hey, I'm just getting started. I would love to edit one of your episodes on me, like for free. And I did that for a short amount of time. And that's how I built my clientele. I also, as I was doing that, immediately once I launched my podcast, then I had a couple people saying, oh, can you help me launch mine? And so working with them and launching theirs, I said, Hey, can I also edit yours? So there were a couple people that I knew because I was helping them launch their podcast that I was automatically able to help. But what I really wanted was just listening to different podcasts, going on Instagram with different hashtags, podcasters, podcasters of color, listening to the audio, and then just sliding in their DM saying, Hey, 
I heard your podcast. I'm an editor. I would love to amplify your voice by removing some of the ums and some of the background noise. Are mm. you editing yourself? Well, first I'd ask, do you edit your own podcast? Because if it was somebody they're paying, then I'm not going to trash another editor. That's just not what I do. Right. But if they're doing it themselves, then I would say I would love to edit your audio for this pr- upcoming episode for free. And they would get that episode. They would love it. And that's how I've gotten most of my clients. And then word of mouth and going from there. So that's how I got mine. Just really getting uncomfortable and asking. Because at the end of the day, the role of editors is to amplify the voices, to make them as clear as possible so their message gets across. And if you come at it from that standpoint, then who doesn't want that? Yeah. That's good. We're about to draw to a close. Uh, if if people have been watching or listening and they want to connect with you, what's your website? What's the best way for people to connect with you? Yes. So my website is Journey Girl Magic Productions, and that's girl with a U, dot com. And then I'm on Instagram at Journey Girl Magic Productions as well. So those are the two main ways, keeping it simple, to get in contact with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. For those that are watching, I'm Brian Edsminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com, and I'm joined by... Jennifer, you want to go? Jennifer Longworth of bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com and on social as KY Podcasting because I'm from Kentucky. I'm Carrie. <laughs> Do we do that part? I'm Carrie Caulfield, Eric. And you can find me at yayapodcasting.com and on Instagram at Carrie Eric because I don't ever do Twitter. <laughs> and our guest today was Nikita Burks Hale. You can find her at journeygirlproductions.com. Nikita, again, just huge thank you. This has been great for me and incredibly valuable. So thank you for being willing yeah. to do this with us. Thank you all for having me. It was a really just amazing conversation because that's, again, what it's all about. Thank you. Of course, thank you. Yay. Uh, so, um, how much is that? Yolana asks in the chat, also, maybe let's talk about reparations for Native Black Americans and the African-American people. So is that something that you're comfortable speaking to? So this idea of reparations is very complex, and it really is based on the fact that I believe that reparations essentially translates to value, and that when I think of reparations, I think of value. And so that means that for the longest People of color, black and brown folks, were not valued as whole people. We were valued as property, as not fully human beings. And so when we talk about this idea of reparations and what is owed, a lot of people try to opt out because they're like, how does that relate to me? How can I possibly either be responsible for reparations or what can I do about it? And so breaking it down to the smallest level, to thinking about you as a person, you as a white person, you as an editor, a producer, someone, a podcaster, How can you, what does reparations mean for you? How can you bring value to people of color? How can you bring your services? How can your services offer value? How can you maybe perhaps discount your services or offer them for free because you see the value in people of color and what they bring to the table. You see their potential. You know that they are systematically at a higher disadvantage that things are just tougher, things are more complex for them. And so reparations does not have to be money. It doesn't mean that I'm walking down the street saying, hey, give me my 40 acres and a mule. But it does mean that I want you to see me as a human, as a full human, and I want you to value me as such. And then I want you to, when you're working with me, value me. 
value your services when working with me. And so that's what I think when I talk about reparations and, and what's owed. Everyone can be giving reparations to people of color in their own way. It doesn't always mean monetarily. It can be your time. It can be your mentorship. It can be your masterminds. It can be your courses. There are many different ways where you can still value people of color and provide value to them. 